Hi, I'm Mai Fernandez, the Executive Director of the National Center for Victims of Crime. The National Center is committed to serving all victims of crime through advocacy, training, assistance, and research. We help victims, their families, and their communities rebuild their lives after experiencing trauma. Every year, we host the National Training Institute in conjunction with the National Crime Victim Bar Association. This year, the Training Institute will take place from December 4th through 6th in Denver, Colorado. This conference brings victim service advocates, law enforcement personnel, allied practitioners, policy makers, researchers, and other like-minded professionals from across the country together. Conference attendees spend their days learning from presenters during the plenaries and workshops. This year, we have more than 80 victim-centered, research-informed, practice-based training scheduled. Today, we will highlight Paige Almendinger, who will present on the importance of victim services, regional and state collaborations in mass casualty Paige, would you introduce yourself response. and tell us a little bit about your job? Sure. Um, my name is Paige Almendinger, and my current title is the supervisor of the Critical Events Unit for the San Francisco District Attorney's Office uh, in their Victim Services Division. Um, what that means is that I supervise the three teams in our office that work on critical events. Um, so for us, that means our community teams, which are the advocates who work with people in San Francisco and communities in San Francisco that we know are disproportionately impacted by crimes, but who historically haven't accessed services through our office. Um, so that those team members go out into the community to work with victims of crime. Um, I also supervise the homicide response team. So those are the staff members who um, respond in the immediate aftermath to work with the surviving uh, loved ones of folks who were killed in our city. Um, to help them with crime victim compensation applications, uh, navigating the funeral and burial process, and understanding the criminal process for homicide cases. And I also supervise the mass casualty crimes response team. Um, for us, that's a cross-section of our staff who are trained to deploy out in the case that there were a large-scale domestic um, or terrorist event in our city. Um, so they're prepared to provide immediate resources, um, 24 hours a day if something like that were to happen in San Francisco. Wow, Paige, that's quite um, the responsibility you have. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time out to be with us today. Um, if, so you are going to be at the National Training Institute for the National Center um, this December in Denver. And the workshop that you're conducting is called The Importance of Victim Services, Regional and State Collaborations in Mass Casual Crisis Response. Can you give us a teaser about what you're going to share during the National Training Institute? Absolutely. Um, for us, so often as victim service providers, we take on many unfunded projects, whether that's coordinating a new initiative, or developing some kind of innovative program based off of new best practices. And we often do that work even when there isn't funding available to support it. And we do it because we know that these programs and these initiatives are important if we're going to serve survivors and victims in our communities in the best way possible. And what we find is that we end up burning the candle at both ends. Um, so the presentation that we're going to be giving in Denver is going to focus on how we can use the advocacy skills that we've all honed when we do work on behalf of survivors and victims 
and take those advocacy skills to work with our funders, work with our agencies, work with our allied partners to create dedicated funding streams for these important projects. Uh, for us, in 2015, we started with an idea that we needed to understand what role our office would play if there were a mass casualty event in San Francisco. Um, we had been told by our sister agencies across the state that they had been called upon to respond to incidences like the San Bernardino attack, uh, the Route 91 shooting in Las Vegas. And while they were able to respond, they did so without any plans. They hadn't trained their staff. They did what they could with what they had at the time. So our office wanted to research and develop a plan, but we knew that that wasn't possible if we didn't have any dedicated staff to do the work. So that led us to working closely with our primary funder, which is the California Office of Emergency Services, to secure funding for a pilot project, uh, which has eventually expanded into a statewide project just a few years later. So it's really interesting that a pilot project was able to spread all over California. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do in your day-to-day -day job now? So our day-to-day -day work, um, every day we're serving victims of crime out of our office. So our Victim Witness Office serves around 8,000 victims of crime each year. Uh, so that's our primary function. That's the primary work that we're doing. Uh, but since the implementation of this project, a lot of our secondary work has been working with the counties across the state who have taken on this initiative. We had the privilege to be able to start working on this. Um, somewhat in 2015, that escalated in 2017 when we received funding for the pilot project. Uh, so we've had a bit of, of time more than the, the staff who are starting this project now. So the funding was released in October of 2018. Um, so I would say I spend a good amount of my time on the phone with counties across California talking about our process, talking about the work that we did, where we started, um, having conversations from everything around what do you keep in a go bag so that if you're called out, you have something to take with you um, to what do your intake forms look like and how are they different in an emergency than they are when folks come into the office to work with our victim services. Um, so we spend quite a bit of time working with our partner agencies and we're happy to do that because what we know is that if something were to happen in San Francisco, the likelihood is that we're going to need to call upon our partner agencies across the state um, to help us in supporting with that, that, that response. So in all of this collaboration that you're doing and the reaching out and contacting your sister agencies, is there anything the audience would be surprised to learn about your work? I think they'd be surprised to learn that uh, victim services and, and working with the victims of crimes after these incidences is something that's very new to disaster response agencies. Um, I came into this work thinking that there must be some kind of a plan. There must be some resources that already exist. And so what we're going to find is that we can supplement an already existing process. Um, but what I found is that often the resources end for these mass victimization incidences, um, you know, once the incident itself is over and folks go home. Um, and so there aren't many support services available that have been fully fleshed out uh, to provide ongoing support for victims of these mass casualty crimes. So I think that one thing that shocked me and surprised me was that it wasn't already there, but what that tells me is that there's a great opportunity for us to use our insight um, as experts working with victims of crime to help support uh, move that, that project forward because we know that these incidences are going to continue to happen. So we wanna make sure that the folks who are impacted receive adequate support. And so 
victim service providers have that knowledge, have that expertise to help inform the system. So if folks out there would be interested in replicating your project in their state, what's some advice that you would give them? The best piece of advice that I could give you is to take time before you start engaging with the folks who work in disaster response to really understand um, what their policies and protocols are. We spent months prior to really starting to engage and trying to uh, actually integrate into our disaster response plan, doing everything from reading existing disaster response plans, um, attending FEMA trainings so that we could understand what, what guidelines do disaster responders already work from. Um, we read after action reports from mass casualty incidences that had happened across the country. We became really familiar with the jargon that disaster responders use. Uh, in victim services, we have our own jargon. Disaster responders have their own jargon as well. And so for us to be able to effectively communicate, um, we wanted to make sure that we could speak their language because we were trying to integrate into their system. Um, it's also one of the core principles of disaster response is to have that shared language. So I think it really showed the partners that we were trying to engage with that we were really invested in this work um, by the fact that we were really trying to understand how their system worked um, as opposed to just marching in and demanding that they adhere to what we needed them to do. That sounds fair. So has there been any big challenge here or what has, there's obviously been challenges, but what has been the most difficult thing that you've had to sort of confront and to figure out a strategy to get around? I think the biggest difficulty is that when we're talking about creating a plan and formalizing a plan, so a lot of what we're doing is trying to create an actual document that will live and breathe with our city and county government. Um, and so we have many stakeholders in that. So we have our office, the district attorney's office. For us, we have our Department of Emergency Management, our Department of Behavioral Health. There are many large institutions that you have to gain buy-in from in order to make this a successful project. Um, so I think a lot of it has really been that coordination piece. Um, unfortunately, what we find often is that people have a lot of interest in the project when they first hear about it. Um, and then that interest wanes because there are more immediate crises that take precedence um, and that are priorities for these agencies. And then an incident will happen somewhere in the country and we'll get additional buy-in. Um, so it's really been an oscillation of buy-in across the couple of years we've been working on this program. Um, but I think now we're, we've moved to a place where all of the, the agencies that need to coordinate um, have a strong interest. And so we've, we've gotten to a place where we're moving forward much, quickly, much more quickly than they were previously. Great. Thank you. What are you looking forward to at this year's National Training Institute? I've been lucky to have worked in multiple cities across the U.S. Um, and so I've gotten to partner with uh, agencies and had colleagues who've moved all around the country and continue to pursue work in victim services. Um, so the one thing I'm most excited about is that I get to see those folks again at this year's conference. I have a number of former colleagues who are either attending or presenting, um, and I'm excited to have an opportunity to connect with them and reconnect, um, but also learn from them and learn from their expertise. This is also one of the few opportunities that we in victim services get to step away from the direct service work and take time to reflect on learning from best practices, learning from other models in the field, um, and figuring out if there are ways that we can implement versions of those back home to improve the services for victims of crime in our communities.
terrific. So is there anything you'd like to tell our audience today that we haven't covered? Anything in particular about your program or what you've been doing or what you've encountered? I would say start reaching out and making connections. Uh, that's been the most important thing for our office is connecting with folks locally, regionally, and across the country who are pursuing this kind of work. Um, what we find is that there are little pockets of this kind of program being implemented across the country, and it's been great to have uh, conversations and share resources with, with other people. And this conference is a great mechanism for connecting with other people that are pursuing these kinds of projects. So I would say be prepared to come and network, prepare, bring your card, um, because the connections that you can make at this kind of conference can influence the work you do for the rest of the year. That's great, Paige. We're looking forward to seeing you. We're really looking forward to your presentation. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast. To register for the National Training Institute in Denver from December 4th through 6th, please visit our website at www.victimsofcrime.org. That's www.victimsofcrime.org.